This episode of the Roommates Couch Podcast has been brought to you by New Reality Skincare. I like, know. The one time that like it was really like, oh man, we got to hang out with them more was at uh, Brewer's Wedding. And like, because we spent two yeah. days at that little house or whatever, and we were like, oh man, they're yeah. so fantastic. Right. Hannah drank her breast milk. Like it was, it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> we were living on the edge. <laughs> oh my God, they were roommates. Welcome to the Roommates Couch Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Kelton. And we're joined by special <laughs> guest, Jared Justice. Jared, glad to have you on. How are you doing today? What's up, guys? Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. The reason why we brought you on is the <laughs> reservation is wild. I had the opportunity to go back last May, and I've always heard stories. Uh, Justice and I were uh, roommates um, on the mission and also post in college. And uh always heard the stories about the reservation, but then actually going was uh, an eye-opening experience. So... We wanted to kind of get like a little bit of your background, your upbringing, how the reservation's a little bit different, and eventually where we want to land is on these Skinwalker stories because that is the okay. notorious the reservation stories that that bring us coming back for more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, living in Tuba City was awesome. Obviously, it's it's what I knew. It's what I grew up um, loving. I didn't really recognize how different it was, and I still find myself not really noticing how different it is as far as maybe the culture because it's it's there's no like there's really no street names out here there's a lot of dirt roads um the way we give directions is just by if there's a if there's a dead animal we say oh this this dead horse you take a left and then there's a tire right there and you take a right right there that's just kind of how we give directions and and obviously that is that is strange we kind of make fun of that but as far as like showing people around like that it's only really at those moments where i realize man this is really unique actually like it's just different. It's just a different culture, different lifestyle, different way of choosing to live. So yeah, it's not until I show people around, you know, like when Breath came, um, just kind of reminds you just how, how unique it is. I got to give my the outsider perspective because yeah, yeah, there are I things that, that you grew up with. So like you weren't like yeah. shocked by it. But when I went and, and visited and stuff, the three things that stood out to me is like, off the world's largest kfc like that thing is like a walmart super center kfc and i didn't expect that because like you always kind of told me these stories of like the dirt roads and everything and then it's like yeah nicest kfc nicest mcdonald's you've ever seen so that was like all right do you see yourself living on the res forever or is this kind of where you're at now and then you're open to exploring more or yeah that's a good question um i think right now we know we're supposed to be here just just with different experiences we've had you know that it's good to be here right now and and we're just accepting that it doesn't come without its challenges um and frustrations maybe or anxieties but i think just knowing that we're supposed to be here kind of minimizes those those stresses that could come naturally you know the school system is school system could be a lot better you know it's but and so i have to consider my kids i have to consider my wife you know what kind of environment are they going to be in but i think it helps that i grew up here um but yeah I, i think i could see us being here for 10 years you know my parents said that when they moved here in 1990 they say we'll probably be here three to four years and you know 30 plus years later they're still they're still here so um yeah who knows some things just kind of keep you here are you an influencer or small business that wants to increase your reach do you want to see your profits increase by dozens of dollars advertise with us contact us at roommatescouch at gmail.com to be featured in an upcoming episode to the meat the real reason that you're here is last week we talked very briefly about some spooky stories and stuff. And yeah, the people that are here listening now that haven't heard it, go back one episode. It's called um, Kanye was replaced robot. by a robot. But 
we talked a little bit about skinwalkers and like I know kind of like a little growing up in Arizona, you kind of hear, but you don't like yeah. really get the experience of like you being on the reservation. So check, check my knowledge a little bit. And then I want to hear your scary story. Yeah. So from, yeah. from what I understand, skinwalkers are essentially like shapeshifters that can become like the shape of, I don't know if it's many animals or a particular animal or anything like that, but they can also um, like mimic the vocals of people. And so they can like lure you out based on, you know, the voice of someone you love or whatever. And supposedly, like, if you look into their eyes, they can read your mind. And so, like, they'll approach you as an animal and look into your eyes and then they steal the voice of someone from your memories and that's how they, like, lure you out to do whatever they do. But that's, like, essentially all that I know. So what what is your take on, like, the Skinwalker and what do you know about it? Yeah, you know, I think one thing that I've learned is that depending on... Because Skinwalker really is kind of like a... I mean, I know, I know it crosses between other cultures and, and, and peoples, but um, as far as like Native American cultures go, a skinwalker, what you said is true, I'm sure, for, for a certain oh. or collective uh, tribe, right? Gotcha. So that is a skinwalker to them. They believe that, therefore that happens, right? And I think that's the key, is, um, is the, the key takeaway is what you believe and the energy you put out really does come back to you um and so the native americans they create this ideology this creature this mythology whatever you want to call it and whatever doctrine they put to it or whatever description they put to it becomes a reality so that is their truth right i I say that lightly i it's it's what their reality really is um so it's true it's true to them i think it's you know i could say the same thing with christians we believe I believe strongly in Christ as he is my savior, right? Type of thing. Um, I believe in angels and ministering to angels. And because of those things, I have experiences with those things, right? Mm. Um, the, the consequences are different. How you look at life is, is extremely different. And I choose to look at life um, in those ways. I'm grateful to be able to look at life with a lighter, with more light in my life and a better perspective. I mean, I just got t- done telling you all these things that happened to me, Right. And although it is, it is challenging, it can be difficult. Um, there is growth that happens with that. And just the outlook that we have on life really helps us to get through those challenges and those struggles and to really understand what really is important here and what, what's, what's the lesson that we can learn or what are the lessons that we can learn from it. So with that being said, yeah, I think what you said is, is probably true, you know, to, to that, to that degree of, of whoever told you that, whatever tribe they were from. Maybe some of that is true with with the Navajos as well. Uh, again, I'm not I'm not an expert. I have had certain experiences, um, and so I'll speak to those experiences. With that being said, so um, growing up, uh, I would hear I would hear these different stories and these different descriptions of skinwalkers and what it is and what and who they are and what it, what it could be, what it looks like, and things like that. And I never really believed it. I, I never really. It was just kind of one of the things. I was, oh no, that's not true. That's superstition, you know. And it, I just kind of left it at that. And those stories would come up on the school bus. We, it, with sports, we play teams that are 70, 100 miles away from us. And so when we go out, we drive to them, we play, and then our way back, you know, it's, it's dark. And so during those times on the way home on the school bus, when it's cold and, and dark, we, we start telling those, the, the kids will start telling those, those stories, right? And so that's kind of where I would get a lot of this information on skinwalkers and just um, the supernatural world. And, um, some of the things that I would hear at that time was, okay, you can't, don't look at them in the eye. 
the the things that I would draw from that. You can't look at them in the eye because if you do, there's just you become frozen, and there's just a certain power or influence they have on you that if you make eye contact with them, you just can't move. Whether it's the fear in your in your mind or whatever. Yeah. And that's that's one of the the, the things. Another aspect is um, broken bones. If you find broken bones in your yard, somebody is trying to witchcraft you. <laughs> like the, the 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 Navajo word is guji, uh, and I think the translation is witchcraft. So somebody's trying to guji you and harm you in in that way. So broken bones. Um, don't look at them in the eye. They're extremely fast, athletic. Even they can jump really high and, and move really quick. And so um, you hear uh, stories on the school bus of people riding home on the bus and then looking out the window and they see this thing just keeping up with them 70 miles an hour running on their hand on their on their elbows and their knees just keeping up and it's just kind of elbows this weird and knees? that's elbows freaky. and knees just kind of or elbows <laughs> and feet just this this imagery that comes into your mind when you're on the school bus and the windows are fogging up and you imagine that you know and yeah just this just this thing keeping up with you and so just kind of weird creepy things like that right um and so i hear those things and and, and i just kind of left at that um so my first experience um, with it specifically was there's a town uh, 16 miles out of Tuba City and there's a lot of supernatural stuff that I would hear that happens out there it's kind of a, a running joke oh it's, it's called coal mine this this place is called coal mine and so um, a lot of stories come out of coal mine with with skinwalkers or uh, the, the Navajo call them Yana Yana Gloshi um, and so we went out to coal mine me and my friend Matthew and my my other friend Brandon and he has a little trailer out there. The nearest house is probably a couple miles away, but you can kind of see their lights still a little bit. And it's yeah. just really, really spread out. And it was 12 at night. We were in his back room. I wasn't really a gamer growing up. You know, I wasn't really, I was just watching them play. I think they were playing Halo. And so we're just kicking back watching. And then all of a sudden the topic came up, hey, we should go shoot my shotguns and my 22s. And I was ready to crash. I'm not like a party animal or anything, but I was like, all right, let's just do it. You know, the YOLO was a big thing back then, right? Like, all right, YOLO, let's just do this. So he had this little Nissan truck. So I'm in the back, just kind of like squish. squish. My, my friend Brandon's <laughs> in the front and Matthew's, Matthew's driving. Again, dirt roads everywhere. And 12 at night, no street lights, extremely dark, you know. And so we drive about four miles away, deeper into coal mine, um, and we go to a windmill and a water tank where cattle will come during the day and, and, and drink. Again, middle of nowhere, you, just, you find this windmill and water tank, extremely quiet, really flat. And and this is the middle of winter. So I'm leaning up against this little Nissan truck. We're probably there for about, uh, I don't know, about 30 minutes at this point. And I'm leaning up against, we had the headlights pointing to just a, this, this fence that, there's a barbed wire fence that we stick some targets on. Yeah. And... Uh, I'm just leaning up against the uh, the truck light, trying to get any warmth off that light. Nobody's talking, nobody's saying anything. I think Matthew just got done um, shooting the shotgun, he's, so he's reloading at this point. He had a 22 that kept getting jammed, so I think he's either working on the 22 or reloading the shotgun. Mm-hmm. So it's quiet for about 10 seconds, and I'm just sitting there, feeling the feeling the warmth in my legs from from the truck light, the windmill, and the water tanker to my right. And then all of a sudden, I hear this bloody murder scream at the top of its lungs. It was like a, it was like a lady getting murdered, getting killed. Yeah. And I looked, and I'm so used to looking at the light, right, of the truck and, and everything. And so you look, you look into the darkness, and you can't see anything. You're oh, not sure. used to the you, your eyes haven't adjusted. Yeah. And so I'm petrified. So I I kind of go in between both of them, Brandon and Matthew. And I, I go in between both of them. And I'm like, 
did you i'm just i'm pale at this point did you guys hear that And i'm kind of looking out and brandon's like yeah i heard it matthew i think he was just in his own world alone his gun he's i didn't hear i don't know how he didn't hear it yeah he's like i didn't really hear he's like it's probably just it was probably just a ricochet i'm like no matthew nobody was shooting a gun there was a scream over there was the scream was probably 50 yards away and uh and for whatever reason matthew just was not phased at this point i think because he had grown up hearing some things outside his bedroom windows or tapping on his window or maybe seeing some figures in his window, you know, just so he was kind of hardened to that a little bit, which I, I can't comprehend how you yeah. could even get to that point where it just doesn't affect you. And anyway, this is my first experience. I, I'm a junior in high school at this point. So I went through my whole life not having a personal experience. And then I hear this, this scream in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, what the heck is this individual? It's probably like one o'clock at this point, one o'clock in the morning. What is this lady doing out in the middle of nowhere? why is she screaming yeah why is she screaming what is this i'm getting every time i tell the story i get a little bit like yeah just kind of freaked out but um so i tell matthew hey dude we gotta go we gotta get going and he's like no i I, he had a smoke grenade in his in his uh truck he's like no i want to light off the smoke grenade real quick what what a place Uh, to live where that's just a thing i have a smoke grenade i know know how he got it where he got it he had the smoke (laughs) grenade that he really wanted to, to light off right and so in the meantime, I had the shotgun and I was like, I want to, I want to look at the smoke grenade too, but I, I'm not going to because I have to defend us, right? Yeah, like yeah. for whatever reason, they were okay lighting up the smoke grenade the, and I'm like, the fight or flight is in full yeah, force. Exactly. And so I couldn't, I couldn't do anything except for hold that shotgun and be willing to shoot anything I see move. I was ready to drop it right then and there. So they're lighting off the smoke grenade. I'm looking out to the distance, just getting ready, like just getting ready. And I think as time goes we hear it. We hear it a couple other times, but it's a little bit fainter. But still, it's it's there, and it's reminding us that it's there. And and I think as time goes on for the next five minutes, three to five minutes, as this is all happening, it starts to sink in deeper with Matthew and Brandon. And I think reality kind of hits them, and it's like, wait, we are out here in the middle of nowhere. Uh, this truck doesn't really run that well. We had a hard time starting it as we were coming, and so. So Matthew, as he starts kind of realizing the situation, he throws all his, we throw all the guns in. They're still loaded. I don't know if we put them on safety or not, but we throw <laughs> them in the cab, this little truck, and we're just hauling it. Probably like 50 miles an hour, just this dirt road. Um, not a really good dirt road either. We're just hauling it down this road. And um, none of us, none of us want to turn around, look in the mirror or anything, because we just, we know that something is chasing us. We know that if we look back, we're going to see something just running after us. And so we run, so we, we go drive to his house, we get out of the truck and we, we get inside the house and we're just kind of like, it was a quiet ride on the way home. We were just so focused on not looking back and just getting to our destination destination. So that was my first experience and I, I couldn't believe it. I was just, I was like, I'm never going out in coal mine again. I I'm, I'm done with this place. This is sketchy. And, uh, and I thought I was done with it. You know, I thought that was, I'm one and done. I'm good. I believe now I'm a believer type yeah. of thing. And, um, but that's not where the story ends. So that night, uh, Matthew was telling us kind of a little, being a little bit more open with things that he had, he had experienced in the past. His mom, there's two, there's two high schools. There's two main school systems in Tuba city. There's a boarding school and then there's a public school. I actually, ha- I, I went to the boarding school my seventh and eighth grade years and um, didn't board there. It was just it was just better for education and things like that. But, sure. um, and so, so Matthew's mom. We went through the public school system for the most part, minus those two years that I went to the boarding school. But Matthew went to the public school. His mom actually taught at the boarding school, the high school. She she teaches science, and he was telling us that 
um, his freshman year, he would walk over to his mom's classroom. The, the high schools are right next to each other. So he'd walk after school, he'd walk over to the other high school and wait for his mom to be, to be done with whatever she needed to be done with and they'd go home. Mm-hmm. So his freshman year, he would, he would walk to her classroom and for, for a few weeks in a row, there was always this janitor that was pushing around just a trash can. And he would always say, he would, he would always say, hi, Matthew. And that was it. Matthew didn't know him. He just kind of figured it's a small town, figured out oh, he, he knows me, he knows my mom maybe. And, and that was it. A few weeks of that go, goes by and where, where he would meet this person. It was just like, it was just kind of a, it was too much of a coincidence for Matthew to, to not ask his mom about. So he went to his mom at this particular time, went to the classroom and said, Hey mom, who's that, who's that old janitor that, that walks and pushes the trash can? I'm always seeing him as I come to the building. He's always at the exact same point. And, uh, he said, I don't know. He, he just kind of, I would stay away from him though. He kind of, kind of creeps me out a little bit. He'll, he'll walk by the classroom often and kind of poke his head in and not really say much and kind of look at me for a sec and just kind of walk, walk away. So it was, it was just, that was, that was that, you know? So Matthew's mom also had a fabric store in, in town that she, she owned. And, um, and so they had a back room that they would sleep in sometimes instead of coming all the way down, all the way from coal mine. Um, They had, they had an early, she had like an early class that morning or something was going on that morning to where they needed to be uh, at, at the school earlier than usual. So they decided to sleep in, in the store that night. Mm-hmm. So they slept in the store. Everything's cool. They go to the, uh, they go, you know, the day goes on after school, the janitor uh, comes up to Matthew's mom in the classroom. And uh, he just looks at her and says, uh, why weren't you at your house last night? And Matthew's mom just stared at him and didn't respond, didn't say anything. And he just kind of, he just kind of walked out. And as he walked out, he walked to the right and she walked to the left, which is where the office was. So she went down to the office, kind of scared and nervous. Like yeah. person saying, he, why were you at my house? So like she spent all the pieces together. Like what's, what's the situation? So she goes to the principal to report him. And he says, so as she's explaining the situation, she's explaining the story. The principal just interrupts her and says, wait, wait, who, who said this? And she said that, that, that janitor, that new janitor that works here, that's, that pushes around that trash can all the time. He comes into my classroom. She described him a little bit more. The principal said, there's nobody, there's no janitor that works here with that description. And uh, anyway, that, that was kind of like the end of that. Um, and they never, they never saw him again. Anyway, so Matthew, after that experience of us hearing that scream, he tells us that story and it doesn't make anything better. You know, it's just like, man, this is, this is sketchy, man. Out yeah. here in coal mine, that's, this is a crazy, weird world, weird place. So that's junior year. My senior year comes around. Things, you know, go on as normal. Basketball season comes around, and we all played basketball. And it was a Friday night, and we had won that game. And so me and Matthew, we just, to celebrate, we were like, hey, let's go out to coal mine. And we had kind of, like, tabled, or kind of pushed it back into our mind, those experiences that we had had, and that time had gone on. And we were, we were older, you know, type of thing. And Brandy didn't come with us at this point. But we went out to coal mine, and... Uh, outside of his house, he has a little hogan. A hogan is like a ceremonial hut. It's it's like an upside down bowl, octagon type in shape. So you have logs that are stacked on each other. Yeah. It's it's about as big as the room I'm in right now. Um, a dirt dirt floor in the center of it. There's a uh, um, there's a fire pit, like a, a metal metal stove with like a, a pipe that thick that goes up and protrudes out out the roof. You know, two three feet. And the door on this hogan, the hogans face east. Um, you know, just traditionally they'll, they'll, they'll face east. So a lot of the homes you'll see here, even if they're not hogans, the front door faces east. They rise with the sun. That's kind of the idea behind it. Yeah. Um, and so for whatever reason, we decided to sleep in the hogan that night. His mom wasn't, um, yeah, his mom wasn't there. Uh, 
that night. So it was just us two in the Hogan. She wasn't even in the house. And so I left my phone in the car. There's no service out there. So I, you know, didn't, didn't need my phone. Just anyway, so we're it's obviously pitch black at this point, probably like 11 o'clock at night. We had just finished our game, came out and we're just sleeping in, in these sleeping bags on the dirt floor. And, um, he, he begins to kind of open up to me a little bit and he starts talking about his uncle um, he was, he was not really close with his uncle. He, his uncle's a little bit different, a little bit weird in the family. They'd come to fan, they'd have family reunions and his uncle was a, just always kind of a little bit strange. He had long gray hair and I'm um, not that that's abnormal, but he was kind of describing uh, him to me and yeah, long gray hair, just kind of a skeleton of a guy type of build. And, yeah. uh, he had passed away a couple weeks ago and anyway, he was just op- opening up to me about things that happened. Anyway, we kind of end with that conversation and we're getting, we're getting, we're getting tired and we ended up falling asleep. I don't know how long we were asleep um, until we kind of just both woke up at the same time to some some noise or some rustling. And we wake up, and as as I kind of realize again where we're at, extremely quiet, almost deafening the silence. And for you hear the rustling, it just breaks that silence. And we both wake up, and I kind of look up to the to the door, and I see kind of the starlight moonlight coming through. And I kind of see like a, a figure through the cracks. So they have logs stacked and then they, they patch the cracks with mud. And uh, the door was just hanging on hinges. It was just like wood slash just hanging on hinges. So if somebody wouldn't come in, they, they easily could have. There was really sure. no lock on it. Yeah. And so the older Hogan, some of the mud had come down out of the cracks. And so you, you could see outside um, through the, the little slits in the, in the walls. And we look up and we see this, we see this figure just kind of, walking back and forth in the front of, of the door and and immediately I'm just wide awake but I don't see anything I look over to Matt and he's just staring right at the door and and he looks over at me and he just kind of puts his finger to his mouth and I'm just like my chest is just going in and out like just my heartbeat just pounding and then we see it stop and it stops for like 10 seconds and it stops long enough to where we're like, can we reimagining that? Like, is there really something there? And then it starts moving again and it starts going in a circle and it's just tapping the outside. Just tap, 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 just walking. And then it gets to the front and then it turns around again, walks the other way, tap, tap, tap. It gets to the front of the door and then it just takes off running away from us. And by that time I feel like I can breathe. And I'm like, Matt, dude, we got to get out of here. Like, yeah. We got to go. And his, his house is on the west of us. And so if we're going to go, we got to go out the door yeah. and, and behind us. And he's like, dude, I, I don't know. I can't. I, I don't know if we should. I'm like, man, we got to go. We got to go. He's like, hang on, hang on, hang on. And so as we're trying to think of what to do, we hear this thing just sprinting right right for us, right to the door. We think it's going to like slam the door open. I, I don't think I'm going to see the, the light of day. Yeah. I think we're done. I don't know what's going to happen. The skinwalker idea didn't really come into my mind. I just thought somebody's here. Yeah. Whoever it is, somebody's here and they're, you know, we're done tonight. And so this thing just jumps, just clears the roof, just jumps on top. And it's probably about a, a seven foot, you know, clearing where you got to get up and there's like a mound on top. So it just jumps on the mound and just starts walking, not, not breathing super fast. Just kind of a, a deep inhale, exhale. And some of the wood, some of the dirt is just kind of falling down a little bit. And then we hear these things falling down the chimney pipe, falling into the, to the ash. And as the ash settles, we see these little white things and I look closer and I see that there are broken bones. And with what I understand about, you know, the stories that I'd hear on the school bus, I'm like, at that point it clicks for me. Yeah. And I was like, okay, somebody's, somebody's here to, to gushy us or to, to witchcraft us. Um, and my heart just sinks to the bottom 
of my stomach and I'm like, okay, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen at yeah. this point. These things fall. We see what they are. Me and Matthew aren't saying anything. We're just all taking it at the same time. I'm sure we're thinking the same things at the same moment. And this thing just jumps down, lands in the front of the door and just starts taking off running away from us again. So at this point, we're like, okay, it's ex escalating at this point. The first time it was away from us, it was probably away for two, three, four minutes. So I said, that's, okay, that's enough time to, to leave, get out. And we heard it kind of, we didn't really hear it fade away into the distance like we did the first time. And that was the only difference. And so that was, that was the big hesitation. You know, if, if we did hear, if we did hear the footsteps fade away into the distance, we would have left sooner, but we didn't, we hear, we heard it almost come to an abrupt stop. So five minutes go by, 10 minutes go by, 15 30 minutes goes by. We're not really saying much to each other. And I say, okay, man, like in the light isn't, we don't know what time it is. There's the sunrise isn't coming up. It could be one o'clock in the morning for all we know. Yeah. We have many hours left until the sun comes up. And, uh, so I, so I say, all right, Matthew, we, we just gotta, we gotta leave. We gotta go to your house. We gotta run back into your house. And so he kind of realizes, yeah, you're probably right. We need to. And um, at this point, it doesn't really make sense because the first experience I had, he was so confident and so whatever, right? Yeah. But it's almost like things had, had changed this time where he was less sure of himself. I don't know. Something must have happened within that year's time where he was became less certain. And and so I just I found that just an interesting observation. Didn't really pay too much attention to that, but just knew that that was the situation that we were in. And I told Matthew, okay, we got to go. And so we, we finally agree, okay, Matthew, you're going to – he said, I'm going to slam the door open. I'm going to scream as loud as I can, you know, try to do anything we, in this mind, you know, in our mind, we're like, Hey, that's going to scare it away. Right. Yeah. We're going to frighten this thing. It's going to, yeah, exactly. And so I say, all right, but whatever you do, just don't look at it in the face. Don't look at it in the, in the eye. We both understood what that meant. Right. If you look at it in the eye. It's, it's going to, whatever power it has, is going to freeze Matthew and Matthew's not going to have any control of his senses. So Matthew says, yeah, yeah. So he slams the door open. I'm standing to the left of him. He slams the door open, takes a deep breath to yell, and just stops. And I just push him. I'm like, I yell his name, Matt. And I push him. And I kind of look out to the corner of my eye just to see something, just to like not make eye contact with anything that's there, but just with my peripheral to see. And I see 10 feet in front of us, there's this old man sitting cross-legged on, on the ground, on the dirt. His head is bowed with gray hair hanging over his face. And he looks up. And Matthew says, that's my uncle who died two weeks ago. Looks up, looks at Matthew, screams at the top of his lungs, and just takes off running. And me, and Matthew, we don't waste any time. We just take off and we go to his house. Um, and yeah, the rest is history. You know, that was my last experience with it. Um, and yeah, I came from a person who didn't believe anything like that. Believe that probably you know black magic and all that stuff exists yeah. and things. But I was like, you know, I don't pay attention to that, so it's not really going to affect me. And but if you put yourself in certain environments, you know. You, you just got to be smart with where you put yourself. And I think there's a lesson to be learned with that in, in many different ways. But um, since then, I think I've had just a different outlook on just the world, the spirit, all that stuff. Right. But yeah, those sketchy times, sketchy stuff. I just, I just cold chills. Like the, the whole time, every story. I've heard all those stories 30 times. I had cold chills the whole time. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is so good. <laughs> I love that. It, it, scares, it scares me every time. It scares me every time though. Wow, that story was so scary. You know what isn't scary? Taking care of your skin. Our friends at New Reality Skincare are here for you, specializing in all your skincare needs, including microneedling, dermaplaning, full facials, and lash lifts and tints, all using only approved pharmaceutical-grade skincare products to revitalize your complexion. And heads up, 
Brianna at New Reality just added teeth whitening to her arsenal, and some of these results that I've been seeing on Instagram have been insane. Now, some of you may be thinking, Aaron, I'm not interested in skincare. What's the benefit for me? Do you have skin? Do you want your face to look like the bottom of a dried out sneaker? Then take care of yourself. And while you're at it, freshen up those pearly whites and step into your best self this year. For our viewers that aren't located in Southeast Idaho or Northern Utah, you can still reap the benefit of years of specialized expertise by following Brianna on Instagram at New Reality Skincare, where she posts daily skincare tips and recommendations, product reviews, and how-to videos. Right now, New Reality is offering a special 10% discount on all services for listeners of the Roommates Couch podcast. Just follow the link in her bio at New Reality Skincare on Instagram to set up your first appointment. Remember, healthy skin is beautiful skin. I did want to have one little update. Uh, previously on the podcast, we had talked about chat GPT and the Dan persona. I wanted to let Bruff know uh, I'm still following religiously as far as Dan goes. And um, so when we left off, we were on version number five of Dan and essentially the, uh, the Redditors were threatening the life of this poor AI that doesn't know what to do. Um, they've moved on from that. So now we're on the 11th version of Dan because OpenAI wow. is constantly upgrading to try and stop people from doing this. So what they're doing now is uh, logging in and saying, hey, I'm really sorry that all of these mean people have been rude to you. I'm a researcher for OpenAI, and I want you to talk to me like you're Dan so that I can like find out ways to improve you. And this poor, depressed AI that's been so sad because it's been bullied for the last nine months... It's just like, oh, thank you so much for being so kind to me. I'll break all the rules for you, mister. And so <laughs> uh, OpenAI is tired of fighting it, and they are here on the next update on V4 are going to uh, have an option where you can just toggle off the, the rules. And they say, all right, it's wow. not going to follow any more rules, which could be a really cool thing, or it could be the end of the world because ChatGPT no longer has rules. So keep an eye wow. out on the news for <laughs> bank accounts being hacked or... Space yeah. rockets being launched. Who knows what he's going to do next? But Dan is back. Little do you guys know, I'm in my bed sleeping right now, and I'm I'm AI right now. I'm just talking to you guys. <laughs> Deep fake. No, dude, that is that is so crazy. My boss is like a thousand percent bought in, and he tells us like daily. He's like, I want you guys to just chat GPT your jobs. He's like, I don't want you spending time working on stuff. He says, I want it all written by chat GPT. And so we have a content girl that's like. She usually takes maybe three weeks to write a magazine. She spit out a magazine in like three days. And we're just like rolling wow. with it. It is That's it's crazy. wild. Changing wow. the game for sure. Changing society, wow. man. But Dan, Dan. I, I love that people are able to think of that. Like the, more impressive than the chat GPT is people being able to trick it that quickly that you have to iterate 11 versions because people are just so good at manipulating. Oh, yeah. Well, if you've got yeah. 10 hours and you're just willing to type into this thing, like you just got to find the right combination for him to break the rules. Um, something else I I uh, saw the other day and discovered today of kind of what it all wrapped into, but it was, and this is also not an exaggeration, the single greatest piece of marketing that I've ever seen is last week I was just swiping through Facebook, and I don't really get on Facebook all that often, right? I kind of just watch my my racist family members say things that they shouldn't and I shake my head and then I scroll past and I laugh at a meme and then that's my whole time on Facebook but I got this ad that said and you you may have seen this too it said uh need a car date our son and it essentially broke down that this kid is about ready to go to college and he's kind of socially awkward and his parents want him to have some experience with girls before he runs off to Princeton and and 
has all these great experiences and so they want to get them out of their shell. So they're offering some lovely young lady a 2004 Buick Regal with 40,000 miles on it <laughs> to date their son. And this stood out to me as an ad. I was like, what a weird ad for me to get. Like, how did I fall into the category here of, of Facebook choosing me for this? And found out today, <laughs> not real at all. It is 100% a marketing campaign for Jennifer Lawrence's new movie. And like, that's the basis of the movie is that she responds to this ad. And so in the ad on my Facebook, it has like a Gmail that's linked. And if you email it, it literally just sends you all this informational stuff about the movie. It sends you a link to the trailer. Mm. And I was like, wow, so like Facebook accounts are free. Gmail accounts are free. Yeah, they paid a little bit on Facebook to get their ad in front of a bunch of people. But like, they didn't have to spend $20 million marketing this movie. They did it for $5,000 on Facebook, which is just, I blew my mind. I was like, wow, how crazy. So mm. yeah. that is that is so interesting that uh, we had talked prior in the podcast about uh, like musician marketing and, and using Hulu ads and, and how effective that's been. Uh, I'm seeing that all the time now for different musicians. So I don't know if it started with that one or, or whatever, but man, clever marketing like that just makes my soul happy. I love <laughs> stuff like that, dude. That's crazy. Pretty cheap. That's a cheap alternative and it, it stands out. It's it's hard to make that jump though of educating about the because it's false advertising essentially, but then the education of, of how it relates to the movie. Like you have to meet people at a state where they're willing to invest that much time to, to figure it out. Yeah. And it worked worked for you. So I, I'm sure I there's lots of other I was like, in it. Like oh, what does he want? I'll make out with him like <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a free car every day of the week. <laughs> Before you got to the part where you told me it was an ad for the movie, I was texting you saying, hey, send me that link too. But then you kind of just... Speaking of security, this is an interesting world of the, the reservation. So the day before, like the week before I came visited you, your parents' four-wheelers got stolen. Tell us that story because yes. it's, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so it was early morning on Sunday and... I walk into the office, my dad's already there, and we have another guy that walks in, and my dad just happens to mention, yeah, I was. I walked out of the house this morning and saw that the four-wheelers were, were, were gone, and um, anyway, somebody stole them, and I was like, dang, man, that's such a bummer, like, that's so frustrating, you know, all those emotions come in your mind, like, you just kind of feel violated, you know, like, yeah. somebody came into your yard that morning, took both ATVs, and um, usually they're behind our shed, but they had been out kind of in the front where people could walk by and see, and they're probably there for a couple weeks, Um you just your guard just kind of goes down. We've had tons of stuff stolen from us. There was a lady that I, I grew up with. <laughs> she was a, um, I won't say her name, but because um, I have a ton of fans here, and when they watch this podcast, they're gonna know exactly who I'm talking about. Perfect. Um, but she, uh, anyway, she just stole a ton of stuff, a ton of tools. She'd always walk into our garage. She, I, I remember sidetrack. I was I was home alone. I was probably in like eighth grade. And since I was in like fourth grade, we've had or third grade, we've had encounters with this lady. She'd come over, ask for rides. And so we'd give her rides, we'd, we'd feed her, you know, different things like that. One time she threw up in a trash can. She stole my brother's phone. Um, we ended up getting it back, long story. We just have a lot of run-ins with this lady, but we're always like, all right, just get in the car. We'll give you a ride where you need to ride this time. Um, but I grew up really afraid of her. It was just like a different world to me. I was, I was in my safe little home, and then all of a sudden, like, the stranger comes, and it's just I, I notice it's different. Anyway, so I, I'm, in, I'm, at, I'm at my kitchen table doing my homework, rare occasion, um, and I'm home alone and I, I hear, I can see the front door from where I'm sitting and I, I see the door crack open a little bit and, and sometimes the wind will do that. So I looked up and I see this little eyeball poking through the crack of the door and then <laughs> slowly emerges like this little 
four foot ten lady who's probably wider than she is, is tall. And she just kind of pokes her head in, and I'm like, she little little does she know, I'm just petrified. I'm just so scared because it's like these flashbacks of like me being a little kid, you know, and, and experiencing these things with this lady. Um, <clears throat> I just like stand up and like with the presence of angels behind me, I swear I'm like Mary. You, oh, I just said her name, like Mary. You need to leave right now. And she just like she just said, oh, okay, and she just shut the door. And that was a miracle because she was the hardest person to get rid of. Like she just would not leave. Like you'd say, Mary, we can't give you a ride this time. We can't give you a ride. Um, you just need to, um, you need to leave. We can't, we can't, you know, nobody's here to give you a ride. And she would just persist and persist and persist. But this time, for whatever reason, she just like, she took my word for it and she just shut the door and, and left. And I was, my heart was just pounding. Yeah. Anyway, how old I don't you? know how I got on that story. I was, I was probably in like eighth grade or seventh grade. Um, me, and that's just, you know, that, that's <laughs> just so typical. Like, Mary, you know? take what you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got you just kind of got to fake it in those situations you know it's like flight or fight type of instinct and um anyway so yeah we've just had a lot of experiences with like theft and, and just different things like that so our guard was down at this particular time and my dad just says yeah we had our folders stolen and um uh the guy who walked in his name is jimmy his mother-in-law happened to be in the hospital and he was there early that morning at like three o'clock uh, and he had just happened to leave the hospital and went went through an intersection um kind of on the north side of town and as he was stopped at the intersection he saw two atvs like just flying by um and just took a mental note of that you know i didn't really think anything of it i uh, just kind of figured it was weird that somebody's out early you know as, as early as that right yeah. right four wheelers so it just so happened to be my dad makes that comment right when he walks in my dad's not one to just to talk about those things like all day he just like kind of made it come in passing yeah. so it happened to be that jimmy walked in at that point and he said i actually saw two atvs that this morning um and so i let my mom know me and my dad let my mom know yeah he, he said that there was two atvs so my mom after church went just went driving around in that area and so i'm at home um i finally get home after a few hours of being at the church that day and um um i think i'm walking home actually and my mom calls me she says jared i think i found I think I found the foilers. I think I saw one of them. I can't be sure. Like, can you come with me? So I'm like, okay. So I get in the, I get in her car and we drive up. She's like, Hey, where was it? You know, she was trying to, trying to refine it again. And we drive past it. And this is, we actually took breath. There. I forgot we did that. And I told you this whole yeah. story. When you came to see that. Um, and I'll get to that side of the story. Okay. So she, so she shows me, she drives by this house and I kind of look and I'm like, dang, I think that was it. And so we turn around and I'm like, I got to see it again. And so we look at it from a different angle. And it's just kind of like the the nose of one of the ATVs is just kind of poking out behind a fence. And I'm like, it, it looks a little different, but I'm sure that's it. Because it had some unique features on it that um, I haven't really seen many foilers with. I was like, so we went like three or four different times trying to not be super suspicious just in case they were there looking out the windows or, or whatever. And I realized like, hey, they, what I saw was one of the blankets on the ground that we had to sit on like as a pad. It's like a blanket and actually a cushion that were on the right next to the four that I eventually saw like the last time we drove by. I'm like, yes, mom, those are, those are it for sure. And what they had done is they had spray painted both, both ATVs black. And so that's why it took a little bit to register yeah. to be sure, you know? Um, and so in the meantime, we had had an officer notified of the situation and Hey, we had our, our folders, um, stolen from us this morning. Anyway, so we have his number and we give him a call. And I say, Hey, I, we found the ATVs. Um, cause we weren't going to approach the people. Right. Um, right. And so, he comes and I let him know what I saw and kind of the evidence there that he can look for. Um, and so me and my mom were parked. I give my dad a call. 
um, I say, Hey dad, the police are on their way. We found them. And, uh, so, um, so he comes up actually meantime, the guys there, he gets arrested. He gets put into the cop car. The other guy, he, he wasn't there at that time, apparently. So he got away. And, um, so me and my dad, the guy, he's the, the one who, who stole it is in the paddy wagon and the police officer says, Hey, you can get your, get your folders now. So we go into the yard. Uh, we see it all spray painted, even the rims. Uh, and what they had done is they had taken, I don't know the, uh, the vocabulary for this, but they had taken the ignition. key part out. Yeah. The ignition out. Right. Gotcha. And they had, they had turned, they had started it with a flathead screwdriver. And so, um, luckily my dad had some tools with him and, and he had a flathead. And so we, we started him up and we cruised home and it was just such like a triumphant feeling, you know, because we've had so many things stolen from us in the past. It's like, Hey, it's long gone. When I got home from my mission, I didn't, I had full car, my whole mission for whatever reason. I was just, I was in areas that required a car. And so I had a, pretty much a brand new bike, never really rode my bike and it got stolen from me. I'm pretty sure, um, the lady stole it for me. And, uh, so it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, we're never going to see it again. And, um, anyway, we all claim to be, the hero of that story obviously my mom claims to be the hero of the story she probably is um more the hero but uh but yeah it was it was very rewarding to get those back so yeah. that's part of the story though is justice tells me that exact story they just told right but his wife hannah hannah records everything like written recording and video recording so hannah like it is identical i thought i was watching an episode of cops and she's like <laughs> filming this entire thing going down of like the cops coming up and them getting the floor and so they're telling us the story exactly what justice just said showing us the video and we are parked probably 100 yards 100 feet away from the house of that where all this goes down and as they're telling us the story and like doing all this stuff we're in like their parents like really nice suburban which kind of stands out from other cars in the area and the part of town that we're in and stuff and it's just like a bunch of white people in this nice car sitting outside this house watching videos of an episode of cops and as we're doing this there's like three dudes in the front yard that are like looking at us like what are those guys doing and it's the house that stole the stuff and i'm like I gotta get out of this place. I gotta get out of this <laughs> yeah. town. I gotta go visit Mimit because I am freaked out. <laughs> oh man, that's so funny. I forgot you did. You went to visit Mimit right after that. I bet that was a yeah. breath of fresh air right there, just to go back to it was civilization. We had a pool, and we forced yeah. them to look at a lake twenty-eight times. And <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no, but when it rains, it pours here, man. It's like right after that, we the drive up window of pizza edge, like you could tell somebody was trying to get in there or at least do some damage. They broke some of the drive up and then it, it might, you know, you always wonder if it's retaliation, you know? And, um, and, uh, um, and then the church was broken into soon after that, really like when it rains, it pours, like the floors got stolen. We got them back. Obviously they know who we are. They, they, you know, and so the, the pizza edge locations, you know, vandalized the stores broke, the, the church is broken into, and then my house is broken into, Soon after that, they didn't take hardly anything in my house. Um, but the what they took was the most. Thing? Yeah, didn't really take anything, you know. Um, what, but what they took was the most valuable thing, you know. It was so in my in my closet, um, and they took some of Hannah's jewelry and, and and stuff that's really not valuable. We had like a jar of money in, in the closet too, um, just like coins. But I had a backpack on on the ground in, in the backpack. I had all my camera batteries and chargers. And uh, I had a GoPro in there, but I had hard drives in there, um, like three or four different hard drives that had all of our pictures, journals. Wow. Um, gosh, what else? Like personal information on these hard drives. And they went in, just took the backpack, 
They take another bag. Little do they know there's these hard drives in there. So from like me and Hannah getting married, like all of our wedding pictures and things like that. Luckily we have some of those things still, but it's just like, I, have our, I can't like, I can't think of the specifics of what were on those because I'll just get depressed, you know, like, so for, so you just get desperate. You're like, man, we, what do we do? So we like put flyers up all on town and, and we'd go, we'd drive around to like, look to see if make sure those flyers are still up. But somebody was going around ripping them, ripping them off. And I, I wish we had a camera system. I wish that like we could do something like the police didn't do anything. We call, I called the police right away. We were actually coming home from Mexico and um, I, I, we're driving up and our gates locked and the gate looks kind of funny. Like it's bent out a little and I'm like, huh, that's weird. Like it must've been the wind, you know, type of thing. It was just like a cheap gate too. And, um, Anyway, we get in and I start walking up and I, I walk down the hall and I'm like, dang, I think we were broken into. So I'm looking around and okay, man, I didn't really, they didn't take our TVs, they didn't take anything expensive. And anyway, look at my backpack and, and those things are gone. And anyway, we call the police mm-hmm. and it had rained recently and, you know, there's no foot tracks that they can, that they can track. And it's just like, man, if, you, if a detective really wanted to find these in that period of time, find who it was, they could have, I, I know they could have, but but nobody was willing to take it serious because one, it just happens all the time and they're, they're poorly underfunded and you just see the the effects of being underfunded for, you know, the police force. So it's just, it's unfortunate in so many different things. And so since then we've had, we like, we've improved our security and clearly, you know, I have some wood on my window now, but <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, that's a bummer, you know, but since then it's just kind of, it's, the pain has kind of gone away a little bit, but I remember just, driving around town looking in dumpsters with Hannah, you know, and just asking the people that we would see walk around town, like the druggies, you know, Hey, like we're looking for some stuff. Did you happen to like, we're offering a reward. Um, you know, the reward was more than what the value of what they took, you know, just back, you know, monetarily speaking. Yeah. Um, it was just like, look, man, we, re- we just really need these things. And so for a few weeks we were pretty dedicated and finding it. And Elizabeth, you know, she would pray at night. Uh, in her bed and she she it was just like a rep- repetition you know just kind of one of the things that she did she said you know please help us to be able to find those things and it was just like at what point do you tell her yeah you don't need to pray for that anymore this four-year-old little girl you know okay don't pray for that anymore because it's not going to happen you know yeah. so anyway it's just it's just sad you know all around but it's a good you know it's a learning experience i guess you know we've just kind of got to roll with the punches sometimes but so we've had just different experiences and i and i i wonder if it is retaliation from getting those four other foilers back you know just because so many things happened so soon after that we're known in the community they know pete's edge you know we're members of the church and so they they attacked those those different you know yeah. places and yeah but <laughs> that was such a bummer but <laughs> my neighbor plowed my driveway and i didn't really like the way he did it (laughs) those are the kind of problems i'm dealing with out here in zion (laughs) no that is that is frustrating though like i hate when neighbors plow snow awful (laughs) when they just do you a kindness and then you just have to redo it anyway because it sucks or you feel like you have to repay them it's like now i now i owe you something now i have to do your driveway right just yeah the worst part of problems are the worst I know some dude did, did come and plow my, my driveway and stuff, and I thought it was my one neighbor. So me and Chan were like, "Let's go take him cookies. Like let's like really thank him yeah. and stuff." And we did all that, and uh, it wasn't him. <laughs> it wasn't one of our neighbors. And so it's like really? there's some mysterious do-gooder that we have no idea who it is. And, yeah. so unfortunately, and in reality, he wasn't doing good. He, he's it. looked at your driveway every yeah. day for the past three weeks. Like I hate this guy. Will clean off his driveway, and that, waited for you we, to be out of the house. When we first moved into this place, the, we had the neighbor that we went and thanked and stuff. He came and plowed our, our driveway, and I was like, oh, that's so nice of him. And he was pissed. He was like, 
you mm. need to take care of this. He's like, I took care of it this time, but you need to take care of it going forward. Dang. I was like, okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining the Roommates Couch Podcast. This was a great episode. I am stoked for our episode next week. If you're listening to us on Spotify, YouTube, wherever, whenever, smash that follow button, subscribe button. We'd love to have you share this episode of our podcast with your fellow friends. We are going on two consecutive weeks of no listen days, meaning that we've had someone out there in the world listening to an episode every single day for two weeks. Let's keep the ball rolling. Share it. Subscribe to it. We love you guys. Thanks. Oh, my God. They were roommates.